wild to me that I still have to say this, but I will never DM you. I'm never going to slide into your DMs and offer you a reading. Lately, there's been a lot of, you know, the fake accounts, the scammers coming around. So this is just my quick and easy reminder to you babes that I'm never going to do that. Again, no matter how cute you are, no matter how anything you are, no matter how cool you are, smart you are, whatever, I don't slide into people's DMs. That is not how a professional astrologer, tarot reader, or pretty much anyone in today's day and age conducts their readings. Unless you're booking with me through a website, my website, moonmattersastrology.com, it's not me. These scammers are getting really good at, you know, being online, doing their thing, impersonations, but don't believe it. And especially if they slide into your DMs and they say, grand rising to you, my beloved. Come on now. So this is just my reminder. Please don't get scammed and please be smart on the internet. Okay, now let's get into the episode. So just a quick recap of what we're doing today. We're going to be talking about sun signs through the houses as well as the Jungian archetype that I have matched up with the house. This is part two of the series. So we're going through houses seven through 12 today. If this is not the house where your son is and you want to see where that is, just go back to part one. It'll be there. To anyone listening in real time, thank you for being patient with me. I think most of you babes know at this point that I've had a lot of life changes. I'm in an eighth house perfection year. I have a blog post on it if you want to read some about it a little bit. But yes, a lot of changes and then the dust is finally settling and I'm hoping that I can get back into my routine and you know come back even stronger. That's what an eighth house perfection year is all about. It's about shedding your skin. It's about transformation. It's about death metaphorically and also sometimes literally. It's about taxes. It's about debts. It's about what are you willing to give in order to get? So I have you know, given my proverbial pound of flesh and I'm ridding myself of it and we're moving on and hopefully coming back even stronger. All right, let's get into this. So the seventh house. If you have the sun in the seventh house, I have a lot of thoughts about what it means to have a luminary there. When either the sun or the moon is in the seventh house, we see someone who has their life heavily tied up in close relationships. And more often than not, those are romantic relationships. The seventh house doesn't always mean marriage. It also means partnerships. A lot of the time it does indicate marriage and romantic partners. But I also like to say that with a little asterisk, it can also be business partners. I really do think it's more romantically focused for the most part, but it can also be people who we just have a really close partnership with. So today we're talking solely about the sun. I'm going to leave the moon out of it, even though I do have a lot of thoughts about that. But anyone with the sun in the seventh house is going to find their ego expression through other people. And that sounds weird, right? It's your ego, but you find its expression through others. This means that these people with their son in the seventh house need to be super careful with who they associate with. The people they surround themselves with will ultimately be how they end up viewing themselves. It's like they use others to see themselves. It's using another person as the lens in which your ego can express. These people literally experience the world and their sense of self through their interactions with other people. So if you have shitty close relationships, you're kind of going to have a shitty ego. And that can manifest in many different self-destructing or even self-loathing ways. But if these people surround themselves with positive close relationships and 
have generally good romantic experiences, then they're likely to be a little more on the sunny side and be bolstered through their experiences with others. The ego is going to ebb and flow as the person experiences the ups and downs of their relationships. These people need close, intimate experiences to feel alive. It's what fuels them and allows them to explore who they are. And again, it sounds weird to say that they need to experience someone else to experience themselves, but anyone with the sun and the seventh will know what I'm talking about. It's like they discover different facets of their ego through each new relationship or as a relationship evolves. And as the relationship evolves, so too does their sense of self. So again, anyone with a luminary in the seventh house needs to be cautious of who they surround themselves with and just who they get into a relationship or partnership with because it will reflect through their ego assertion. Now, the Jungian archetype for the seventh house could be none other than the lover. To put it simply, the lover wants to experience love. Obviously, we know there's romantic love, but the lover archetype goes beyond that. We see the love of a child, love of a business or passion, and even spiritual or religious love. This archetype wants, and dare I say, needs intimacy. People with the soul of the lover will want closeness in everything they do. They want to really connect with the people in their lives, and they want to build long-lasting relationships. They do not want casual chats or fair-weather friends. They want something real, and they want to explore the depths of themselves with you and through you. I want to make mention that the lover doesn't have to be focused on romantic love. Oftentimes they are, and they aren't truly happy when they're alone, but the lover archetype also focuses on the love of a child or love of their spiritual practice. We all know those people who devote their entire life to their child, and the child is truly the love of their life, and then their ego identity is completely tied up in who that child is. Whether that is a healthy way to express your ego, I'm not here to judge or say, but we've all seen that happen. Having the soul of the lover means that you want to cultivate closeness. It's about opening up and sharing the entirety of yourself with another. Some people do that with a spouse, and others may find that through a relationship with God. Regardless of how they cultivate the closeness, the lover strives for genuine connections above all else. Because to them, life without passion and intimacy is really no life at all. The eighth house. The sun in the eighth house switches gears entirely. The eighth house often has the moniker of death and taxes, and you babes know I like to call it the house of prices and power. So when we look at someone with their son in the eighth house, we see ego expression through the ideas of catch and release. What are you willing to give up in order to gain? Transformation is a big signification of this house. That can be spiritual transformation or taking something in the material world and transforming it into something new. When the sun is here, that means a person's ego identity is constantly being transformed. I don't really like this term that I'm about to use because it has connotations attached to it that I don't really jive with personally, but the idea of ego death really hits home here. It's more ego death in the sense of not like killing your ego outright because I think I've been very clear that to live in this world and be a fully formed person, you need a strong and healthy ego. I don't think you should kill your ego by any means. 
So when I say ego death, I'm more or less using it in the way of letting something die and fall away. The image of a flower, like a rose just came to my mind where you're seeing the petals kind of fall off of it. And it's sad, yes, but you know next year that rose bush is going to come back bigger, brighter, and better and have even more buds on it. So that's what I mean by ego death. I just mean letting old parts of you die so new parts can grow. If your soul inhabits the eighth house, the idle place, then it has nothing to do but ruminate on itself and die constantly. Like I said, those, those flowers, those buds falling away so something new can come up. People with this placement will likely feel as if their ego or soul has changed many, many times. They give up parts of themselves to gain new knowledge and understanding about who they are and their meaning in this world. This is a place where the ego is born again and again. It's almost like as the person gains experience in their life, they allow who they are or who they were to totally wither and die, only again to come back stronger each time. Not even stronger, wise. It's a place of gaining wisdom. It's the idle place. You're not doing much other than, again, letting yourself die and coming back. And that, that's, I shouldn't say not doing much. That's a lot. That's a heavy load. That's a big burden. I take that back. You are doing a lot, but you are idle. Just like that rose bush, the rose bush doesn't move. It is idle. It's stationary, but it's constantly growing and changing. Now, on a less spiritual note, these people with their son in the eighth house may also be good at manipulating and working with other people's materials and money. The Jungian archetype I've attached for the eighth house is the magician. The magician's main goal in life is to transform. They want to take their knowledge and make something bigger, better, faster, stronger. That seems to be my thing for the day, bigger, better, faster, stronger. But they want to do something like bigger, better, faster, stronger than anyone has ever seen before. The magician craves power and often has no problem sacrificing parts of themselves to obtain it. A great example of this is actually the Norse god Odin. To learn the magic of the runes, Odin, you know, he plucked his own eye out and then he hung himself from a tree for nine days. I don't know why I'm laughing at that, but it just seems funny that the man's like, there goes my eye. And he's like, you know, I'm going to sacrifice myself. And this sacrifice ultimately led to vast amounts of knowledge and wisdom. And it completely transformed him. But he did have to pay a price for it. And he was never the same. Literally and figuratively, he was never the same. He plucked his own eye out, so the man didn't have an eye the rest of his life, but he had all this knowledge and he knew magic now. So this house is about prices and power. Odin was willing to give up his eye, hang himself from a tree for nine days, and then he got all this power. So while he, does, he only has one eye, he's a magician. Another example I want to look at for this archetype comes from Tarot. The magician card is a person who has everything at their disposal someone who can transform the material world with ease. These people are creators, and they're also manipulators of the physical realm. In today's age, that means they're likely bankers, shrewd business people, or someone who works closely with other people's resources. And when I say resources, don't think just money or assets, but think time and even emotions. Because the magician as a manipulator, you could be emotionally manipulative. I'm not saying that's always bad, I would even say a therapist to a degree could be a magician, an emotional manipulator, because they're making you change your way of thinking. They're manipulating. And when I say manipulating, I just mean working with. They're working with thoughts and emotions. 
So people with placements in the eighth house could be working with your resources and manipulating them. But again, don't think of it in the bad way all the time because it can be the bad way. But generally, we don't like to just go there straight out the get. Let yourself realize that the eighth house can be a place of goodness, even though it tends to have a, a more spooky or a negative connotation attached to it. If you're someone with the soul of the magician, you're always looking to gain and you aren't afraid to first lose in order to get it because the magician knows that what they receive in the end will be far more spectacular than what they had to sacrifice. And I'll go back to Odin on that one. The man lost his eye, lost nine days of his life just hanging from a tree, but he knew he's like, yo, this is going to be Liddy. I'm going to get all this knowledge. I'm going to have these runes and it's going to be great. So he knew that his sacrifice was going to be peanuts compared to knowing the magic of the runes. The magician can do so much good for the world via their ability to transform and transmute. So this is kind of why I was saying don't outright think that the magician is a manipulator just because they manipulate. The only catch is, this is the catch though, that these people often realize how good they are at transformation and manipulation and they can use it to maybe manipulate things in their favor a little bit more than they should. The shadow magician is deceitful and sly, and it's really only worried about what will serve them and gaining as much power as possible. So anyone with the sun in the eighth house will know the allure of power and how easy it can be to become blind to your own ambitions. People with the soul of a magician have a responsibility to others and themselves to practice their craft with honor. Otherwise, the ego becomes corrupt and we can see a less than savory transformation of the soul. I know this sounds intense and ominous, but again, that's the eighth house. With great power comes great responsibility. The ninth house. The sun actually has its joy in the ninth house. So even if you only have one placement here and it's the sun, it's going to feel really bad and bougie. The sun is really going to illuminate all ninth house topics. And I mean, really amplify them. Someone with their son here is going to have an ego identity that is heavily tied to the topics of religion, philosophy, divination, and magic, and just any higher mental pursuits. These people love to learn and will try to absorb all the information they can. Not only do they want to absorb knowledge, but much like the son, they want to send it back out into the world and illuminate the minds and hearts of others. This is literally the house of God. The sun is the god of the cosmos, as far as we're concerned. When the sun is in its own house, the holder of the the chart will find ego expression through higher mental pursuits. That can mean college, but it can also mean broadening horizons and travel. College is definitely seen in this house, but it's absolutely not the only way to expand your mind. Anything that cracks you open and sheds light on your soul, that's going to be the ninth house. Anything that is a further education past just, you know, like 12th grade, like high school, that's going to be seen in this house. So if you take classes or you get a certification or you travel a lot, like that's going to be a ninth house topic. The ego of the ninth house is a very magically driven soul, whether that be through mysticism or actual magic like tarot, astrology, or divination. The best way I can sum up the sun in the ninth house is that these souls need something to believe in. Religion and spirituality are going to be directly linked to their ego expression and likely soul purpose. 
One way we see this play out is through travel and foreign pilgrimages. For some ninth house sun people, travel is going to be what lights up their sense of self and allows them to discover who they are. This could be in part to traveling to a place where your ancestors came from or something as simple as studying abroad. The point is, travel and higher mental pursuits are going to help these people explore who they are and let their souls run wild and free in the process. The sun in the ninth house feels the most free spirit vibe to me. And that's likely because the sun has its joy here and it's going to be able to express boldly and freely. I've chosen the sage as the ninth house archetype. Now the sage and the magician are similar. Both are extremely powerful and have a magical bent to them. But while the magician is concerned with manipulating worldly means, the sage's main goal is the pursuit of truth and knowledge. Having a soul of a sage means being an eternal student. These people never stop taking in information and want to constantly broaden the horizons of their mind. One of the best ways to learn is through firsthand experience. So you'll often see the sage wandering, traveling, and just generally seeking out new hobbies, interests, or experiences. The pursuit of truth is also very important to the sage. Learning as much as you can will give you the knowledge to discern what is fact and what is fiction, especially when it comes to topics like spirituality and religion. I think it really comes down to each person's inner truth and what's right for them, but that is honestly part of the sage's journey, to figure out what their truth is and to let it shine as bright as the sun. The 10th house. Having your sun in the 10th house means it's at the most visible point in the chart. It's like having your ego on display, which honestly sounds kind of scary, but I would think that because my son is hidden in the third house and it's definitely not on display. Tenth house sons put a lot of their identity into their work. Since the 10th house is the house of role, rank, and reputation, having the son there quite literally means that the ego is tied to public life and public endeavors. This is why we see a lot of celebrities, socialites, and influencers with the son in the 10th house. They literally make a career out of themselves and being themselves. It takes a strong and healthy ego to be able to put yourself on display like that. And having the sun in the 10th house definitely indicates someone who isn't afraid to do that. Obviously, not everyone with the sun in the 10th house is famous, but they will be looked up to in some sort of way. This could be anything from them always finding themselves in a leadership role at work to being a popular person in their town, maybe like a mayor or something like that. Regardless of the position itself, these people require ego assertion to achieve their destiny. Knowing who they are, embodying it to the fullest, and asserting that energy into the world is kind of what they were born to do. These people were born to shine. The Jungian archetype for this house is the emperor or the king. The main reason I put this one here is because the emperor is all about authority and autonomy. And that's something that the sun also stands for. It's a very authoritative and autonomous planet. Or luminary, sorry. Luminary. (laughs) People with their ego identity in the 10th house need a lot of autonomy. They cannot be told what to do or who to be They need to express themselves boldly in order to be following their life path. Also, as I said before, the 10th house often indicates people in positions of power or people who govern over others. 
The 10th house is a very powerful house in general because it's angular and it's also the peak of the chart. Any planet here is going to be like a crown on top of your head. So when the sun is here, we see someone with the sun on top of their head. And to me, that literally screams emperor energy. But having the sun on your head creates a heavy weight. Not as heavy as Saturn. It's heavy in a different way. But you know what I'm getting at. Having the sun on your head is like, it's wearing a headlamp. I saw somebody this morning actually running with a headlamp on. And that was, I was like, wow, they're really getting it. But anyway, <laughs> it's like having a headlamp. Anywhere you look, you're shining light. You know, just put a headlamp on. If you've never done it, put it on. And or just put a flashlight on your head. And anywhere you look, light is going to shine. So that means you have to be assertive in who you are because not only do you have a flashlight on your head, everywhere you go, though, you're going to light other people up. And sometimes that can be blinding. And people are going to watch you and they're going to look to you for guidance because you're almost walking around like a guiding light with that flashlight on your head. So the emperor needs to be sure of themselves and their decisions because people are watching them. And it takes a strong ego to be sure of yourself in that way when you know people are scrutinizing your every move or that you're attracting so much attention because you got that flashlight on your head. So if you're someone with this placement and you're thinking to yourself, well, I have confidence issues, or that doesn't sound like me, then I would look at the aspects being made to your son or whatever aspects your son is making for clues as to how to work with that energy. Because say you have the sun in the 10th house, but it's making an aspect to Saturn, a hard one, a dynamic one. Well, that could be why your sun feels dampened or lessened, dimmed in some kind of way. And you need to work with it to step into that role and put that flashlight on your head and, you know, high beam them. Overall, the emperor is decisive. The soul of someone with the emperor will not be well suited to being told how to live their life or what to do with their life. They need to search within themselves to figure that out and then promptly start expressing that energy out into the world. Because honestly, if we stick with the flashlight on the head, you know, the headlamp analogy, no matter what you do, it's like you can't hide your ego. It's like you can't hide who you are. It's you can't hide that inner part of yourself because it's on display at all times. Whether you're in front of a crowd of people or it's just you and your best friend, your ego is shining brightly at all times. So you, you have a responsibility to, to yourself and to other people around you to make sure that it's a healthy one and that it's a powerful one and a strong one and that you really know who you are because it's going to shine either way. So people will be able to tell if you're not confident and people will be able to tell if you're overconfident and they'll be able to tell if it's somewhere in between. You can't really hide it. And that, that kind of sucks a little bit where it's like, oh, my shit's always on display. Don't know what to do with it. Well, you got to soul search and you really just have to follow your own path and you can't let people tell you what to do because you're not going to listen anyway. You know, your son, you got your high beams on, you're following your own path, you're light in your own way. The 11th house. Having the sun in the 11th house feels really cute to me. And maybe it's because Leo rules my 11th house and the sun is the ruler of Leo. I don't know. But I do know that the sun in the 11th is like gathering around a campfire on a chilly night. People with this placement are often going to be the center of the friend group. They're the glue, the hearth, which people gather around the social butterfly, the popular one. Even if these people don't necessarily feel popular, due to aspects in their chart preventing it, they are generally well-liked and are never in short supply of a few good friends. Friends and social groups are what make these people tick 
being able to connect with others in a meaningful way is absolutely going to be part of ego identity. Remember how I said in the seventh house, you had to be careful who you surround yourself with, especially when it came to partnerships? Well, this house is similar. Since the ego is tied to friendships and social groups, these people really need to tread lightly when it comes to who they let into their social circle or what social circle they allow themselves to become a part of. Jupiter has its joy here, so this house naturally wants to expand. Jupiter likes to think the more the merrier, but I think we all know that's not always true when it comes to friendships. When the sun is here, we definitely want quality over quantity, which that might be hard because the sun might make you like a magnet, drawing people in like a moth to the flame. Strong boundaries and knowing who is there because they're a true friend and who's there because of other reasons is going to be very important for these people. Being the center of attention and bringing people together is going to fuel the soul of someone with the sun in the 11th house. This is the place of good spirit. So this house is generous and it wants to bring nothing but good times into the world. So people with their sun here are always down for some fun and they love to put a smile on their friends' faces. Finding their people and their community will be crucial in feeling that they can express themselves freely. Which, speaking of finding their community, that brings me to the Jungian archetype for this house. The 11th house embodies the archetype of the everyman. People with the light of their soul in the 11th house truly want to find a place among other like-minded people to call home. This can mean being a friendly neighbor and doing right by your community or seeking others with the same interests as you and garnering connections that way. The everyman believes that everyone deserves love and kindness and they do their best to put that kind of energy into the world while also receiving it back. Having a network of people that they can rely on is going to be so important for the ego identity of these people. In today's world, that even extends to the internet. Social media in particular makes it easier than ever for people with similar interests to find each other and form connections. The everyman is likely to be the one who forms a meetup group, or they at least join one. The more connections they make, the happier they are. As long as the connections are positive, mind you, fair-weather friends and even frenemies need not apply. The soul of the everyman will go out of their way for a friend, so it's important that they connect with people who will do the same. Last, but certainly not least, we arrive at the 12th house. This is the house of bad spirit, and Saturn has its joy here. So just based off that, we might guess that having the sun here is going to feel a little bit heavy. So the sun does what? It illuminates. When the sun is in the 12th house, the house of shadows, karma, enemies, seclusion, mental suffering, addiction, sickness, and all-around skeletons in your closet, then we see an ego tied to the illumination of all those things. In order for these people to truly shine and assert their ego, they need to do a lot of shadow chasing. They need to face their fears of their own depths, which easier said than done, right? It's always easy to be like, oh, just face your fears, you know, dive in, do your shadow work. It's like, one, where the fuck do I begin? And two, how do I do it? And when I start doing it, why does it feel like shit? If I'm, you know, it doesn't feel good to do shadow work most of the time, but it's always worth it. Having your ego tied to the house of Saturn feels counterintuitive. Saturn is a humbling planet. It literally teaches us lessons in order to humble us and to put our ego in check. The natural state of the 12th house makes it hard for the sun to want to or be able to shine. 
but there's also a quiet tenacity that comes along with being in the house of Saturn. The soul of these people will eventually learn to have no fear and to assert their life force accordingly. And it's really interesting because while a lot of the other houses sort of support ego growth and over-identifying with your ego, this house tempers that notion from the beginning. In order to even begin to shine, these people need to fight their own unseen forces within them. It may take them a little longer to feel comfortable in their own skin and with who they are, but once they get there, once they feel comfortable, once they figure out who the fuck they are, there's no turning back. So overall, these people are going to be the ones who seem trapped in their own minds. They may want so badly to express who they are and what they are, but Saturn's influence will force them to mature their ego before doing so. Which I know this kind of sounds like a downer and a heavy burden, but, but that's Saturn. But also, since the ego development requires so much reflection and meditation, These people usually have a really spiritual soul and they understand the world from a different perspective than most people. Their soul is given malefic wisdom from the start. And I think that's something that people with the the sun in the 12th house can really cling to as a win is that you have malefic wisdom from the start in your own soul, in your ego. And while it sucks and it's not fun to go through, you're going to have a very mature, very steadfast sense of self. Our last Jungian archetype is the outlaw or the rebel. This is Saturn's house, and why Saturn isn't known for being an outlaw, so to speak, we can't forget that good old Aquarius is ruled by Saturn. Aquarius seeks to break old ways of thinking and to free society of oppressive systems. So these ideals occur naturally within the house of Saturn. If you're someone with the sun in the 12th house and you have a soul of a rebel, You're going to be someone who has strong feelings about injustice, discrimination, and oppression. It's highly possible that you yourself experienced any of these in some way, and you've made a conscious effort to use your life force in order to bring about change into the world. The rebel doesn't conform. The rebel knows the price of individuality and the sacrifices it can take to feel comfortable owning that individuality. So once they find out who they are, and they break free from the matrix of their own mind, these people are going to refuse to ever go back, and they will not compromise their sense of self or their identity. And that, my sweet babes, is the sun and ego expression through the houses. I hope you enjoyed the little Jungian spin I put into it. Whether you care about Jungian thought or not, I hope it got you thinking further about the houses and how our sense of self, our ego, develops depending on where the sun is placed. If you want more moon content before the next episode, go find me on Instagram at moonmatters.astro. I'll see all you babes later.